Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Earlier this month, there were three places where outbreaks of COVID-19 occurred in Northumberland. Besides the hospital, the Golden Plow was hit, and the Victoria Retirement Residence. Since September, the health unit has tracked more than 1,400 emergency room visits across its region for COVID, colds, and flu. All this may be a bit disturbing, but for Dr. Natalie Bocking, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, it's a lot better than last year. In fact, she's pretty optimistic about how things are going right now. In this interview, she will give her reasons for her optimism plus explain what is going on in Northumberland during this cold and flu season. She will give some sage advice as to what people can do to avoid getting sick. I am so glad to have with me today Dr. Natalie Bocking, the Chief Medical Officer for the Halliburton Kawartha Pine Ridge District Health Unit. Welcome back to Consider This. Great. Thanks very much for having me. I'd like to start with the current status of COVID in Northumberland. Can you describe the situation? So over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, we have seen a slight increase in COVID activity locally. Uh, The way that we have observed this is an increase in the number of outbreaks from COVID-19 that we have seen in long-term care homes as well as hospitals. So we've had a total of eight COVID-19 specific outbreaks uh, since the start of this respiratory season. And we've also had a slight increase in the number of people being admitted to hospital with COVID-19. So since the start of this respiratory season, uh, we've had eight new hospital admissions from COVID-19. Is there any particular demographic or any kind of description of the type of people? Is is there something in common with these people or is it completely random? So we do know that there are um, parts of our population that are at a higher risk of a severe illness from COVID-19. Unfortunately, advanced age is one of those risk factors. Uh, So the majority of uh, individuals that have been admitted to hospital more recently with COVID-19 have been over the age of 80. Uh, So we certainly see this demographic to be at higher risk of, of severe illness from COVID-19. Now, you said that they were the, the, the season. You talked about the season. Can you just quickly define what that, what that means? <laughs> Other than the holiday season, it's not quite the holiday season yet. Uh, so we refer to it as respiratory season. So before uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, the respiratory season started every year at the end of August, beginning of September. 
And it was marked by um, more people needing to go to the emergency department for respiratory illness, more people being admitted to hospital with respiratory illness. Uh, it includes influenza season. So we start to see influenza cases and we see other respiratory viruses such as RSV, uh, para-influenza virus, another virus called uh, human metanumovirus, so all viruses that will cause respiratory infections. And the respiratory season really amps up during the fall, uh, peaks December, January, and then starts to come down after that. Now, this was related to COVID, or was it before COVID that this was this respiratory season would come into effect? This is pre-COVID. Uh, every fall, we would anticipate respiratory season to start. Uh, and then what changed with COVID is that we saw COVID waves not just in that same pattern. Uh, we were seeing COVID waves every three to four months, whereas previously, respiratory season was an annual predictable thing. So last fall was the first uh, real respiratory season we had seen since before the pandemic. Uh, as you as you remember, throughout the pandemic, uh, with uh, closures of buildings and schools, uh, with isolation, with mask uh, requirements, it prevented the spread of not just COVID, but all other respiratory illnesses. So last fall, we had the, um, the restart of our annual respiratory season. Uh, and so we're, ha we're seeing that again this fall. Now, you mentioned earlier that the current situation, you're starting to see this rise taking place. Are the levels concerning you at this time? So it's the, not, the levels to date in this respiratory season uh, do not look the same as what we saw last fall. So in some ways, I'm reassured and more optimistic about what we might see this fall. Um, I think folks will remember that last fall was being described as the triple-demic. We were seeing uh, respiratory illness from COVID-19, from influenza, and from RSV all at the same time, impacting children uh, in particular. So we had uh, actual postponements of pediatric surgeries because our children's hospitals couldn't manage. To date, when we look at the numbers for this year compared to last year, we're not seeing uh, the same high levels that we saw last year. Now, are you still doing testing? So both COVID-19 and influenza are what we refer to as reportable diseases. So any positive lab results that goes through a formal laboratory uh, by legislation must be reported to public health. So we receive those reports and we track them in a provincial database system, and then we can run reports to see, is it increasing, decreasing? How does it compare to previous years? And that, that's what tells us uh, really where things are at. So Northumberland Hills Hospital has recently declared a COVID outbreak, and this is the third in less than six months. Does that give you any reason for concern? So we know that COVID-19 is still present uh, and has not gone away and likely will never go completely away. What has changed over the last year are the types of measures that we use to prevent the transmission of COVID-19. So uh, in, in the spring of 2023 and last year, we saw 
provincial directives that had very strict requirements in hospital settings and long-term care homes start to ease back on some of those mandatory requirements. So we will, we will continue to see some outbreaks in both hospitals and long-term care homes because we're not seeing the same restrictive measures. And it's always that balance between uh, doing what we can within uh, really acceptable measures and knowing that there will be some uh, element of transmission that will happen. I think what's key is that we identify it so they are able to identify when there is an outbreak and very quickly put in measures to prevent further spread of an outbreak. So really then, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're talking about is managing this rather than necessarily preventing it. Correct. We can't prevent it. Uh, uh, the, the way that these viruses work, the measures uh, needed to fully prevent anything from happening are, are ones that we're not willing to accept uh, and use in our society right now. And those are measures that we saw really at the height of the pandemic uh, with masking restrictions and isolation requirements. There is a new strain of COVID. Can you explain what it is and how it's different? So COVID um, or coronaviruses are, are uh, viruses that are constantly mutating or constantly changing. And we saw this, we've seen this since the beginning of the pandemic with each new wave uh, being driven by what we called a new variant. So sometimes variants are uh, developed when one strain just mutates uh, and changes. And sometimes a variant is created when more than one strain kind of combines and recombines together to make a new type of variant. So it's not surprising that we are continuing to see new variants. The one uh, that has been most active over the last month or couple of months is what's referred to as the XVB variant. And so there's many different, um, uh, I guess, names and numbers associated. So there's lots of different XBB ones that we're seeing. And we're already now starting to see new variants uh, from mutations with from the XBB variant. Uh, and I think that that's just part of how this virus works. It continues to evolve and mutate and uh, figure out how it can survive uh, in this landscape. But what does that mean to us as individuals? Well, fortunately, for the most part, the variants that uh, we've been seeing lately uh, are ones that our immune systems will still recognize somewhat uh, and ones that vaccines will still work for. What's always on kind of the, uh, in the back of our minds is worry or concern about a variant that has mutated so much that we don't have the same immune system buildup to protect ourselves against and that we don't have vaccines that are also protective against. So something that uh, certainly the World Health Organization uh, as, as well as Public Health Agency of Canada, Public Health Ontario are all monitoring for, every time a new variant emerges, they look to see, does this, does this variant spread more easily than other ones? Does this variant cause people to be more sick compared to other variants? What's our immune response to this variant? And will vaccines work for this variant to give us a sense is, is this a variant we need to be worried about? Or is this a variant we can manage with what we currently have available to us? So where are we then in terms of vaccines and booster shots? 
So there is a the vaccine that is approved by Health Canada for the fall COVID-19 vaccine dose is a vaccine that includes the uh, components of the XBB variant. Uh, so it has been updated to make sure that we can get the most relevant immune response to the variant that we're currently seeing. So for this fall, everyone aged or over the age of um, of six months is recommended to receive a dose of uh, COVID-19 vaccine. And that vaccine for everybody uh, is recommended to include the XBB variant component. For all individuals, uh, if you've recently had a COVID-19 infection, the recommendation is to wait for six months from the time that you had that infection until when you get the dose of vaccine. And that's in order to get the best immune response from your body, uh, knowing that there also is some protection from having actually had the full virus and infection itself. I, I know there were some opportunities uh, being offered to people to get booster shots over the summer. How successful was that campaign? We have absolutely seen uh, the uptake of, or the number of people wanting COVID-19 vaccine to decrease over time. Uh, I think those individuals that are at highest risk of a severe illness from COVID-19 are the ones that we are seeing uh, more likely to continue with the vaccine. Uh, and over the summertime, uh, at one point, we started to tell people to wait until we have the XBB vaccine um, here in Canada and available because you want to have the most relevant up-to-date vaccine uh, to be protected for the fall. In that time period, were there any people who were still getting their first shots or um, was it all about boosters in you know second, third and more? So I, I don't have any numbers on that. Um, uh, we still occasionally see individuals that are coming for their first vaccination for COVID-19, uh, but the vast majority are individuals that have had uh, certainly more than one uh, vaccination against COVID-19, and sometimes upwards of five or six, uh, depending on uh, you know, their background health status. When's the next round of vaccines arriving in Northumberland that have this uh, XB addition to them? So they are here already. Um, currently, the, uh, the vaccine that includes the XBB variant, uh, it can be either Pfizer or Moderna. They really are interchangeable. There is no preference between the two. Uh, it can be accessed through health unit clinics. So to book an appointment, you can go online or you can call the health unit to book an appointment. Vaccine is available through pharmacies, uh, through some primary care providers, uh, and then certainly it's being rolled out in long-term care homes and retirement homes for residents and healthcare workers. For the month of October, uh, uh, those individuals at highest risk for severe illness are, are the people that are prioritized to get it first. Uh, and then at the end of the month, as of October 30th, it opens up to the general public uh, to be able to access it. Now, what about testing? There's been a lot in the news about the testing kits that we were using during the pandemic. Are those testing kits still good for us? And do they help us identify if we have COVID or not? So uh, 
the I think the tests you're referring to are the rapid antigen tests. So some, I'm not sure when, when we started to call them rats, but the, these uh, rapid antigen tests. So they are still available. Uh, they're just not as widely available as when they were um, uh, distributed through, for example, grocery stores, etc. Uh, so the province has scaled back its distribution of uh, rapid antigen tests, but they are still available. Uh, people can access them. So there are some uh, tests available at health unit offices. Uh, some primary care providers and healthcare providers have them at their offices. Uh, and some pharmacies also still have them. They're most useful for individuals that uh, really need to know if what they have is COVID versus some other illness so they, they can access treatment or so that they can be sure that they're not exposing uh, another family member that is at high risk of a severe illness. So you want to make sure is this a, is this a regular a cold caused by another virus or is this COVID-19? This is also the time of year when a lot of people get flu shots. What are the recommendations around flu shots and are they available at this time? So flu shots are available and uh, the province has actually tried to sync up the schedules for COVID-19 and flu shots so that people can receive them at the same time. So one visit, uh, you don't have to make two visits to the pharmacy or your doctor's office uh, to, to get those shots. So currently for the month of October, people that are at highest risk of uh, severe illness from influenza are eligible to get their flu shot. Uh, and then similar to COVID-19 at the end of the month, October 30th, uh, it opens up to the general public or all of the population to get their flu shot. Because we're seeing so much uh, variation in the different types of respiratory illnesses that are available, what are your recommendations around people getting a flu shot? So I, I encourage everyone to get their flu shot. Um, I think we, certainly those individuals at highest risk of severe illness, uh, a, a flu shot is a really important tool to help prevent people from needing to go to hospital with influenza. Um, when we look at uh, what the Southern Hemisphere experienced this past flu season, because they, they go through flu season a couple months before we do. So we often look to them to see, well, who, which, uh, which age group is flu impacting the most? So we did see in Australia, New Zealand, for example, that there were actually more children that were being admitted to hospital with influenza this year uh, that had been seen the previous year. So that, that gives us an idea that, oh, this flu strain uh, seems to be making more kids sick in the Southern hemisphere. It makes sense to be making sure that we get our kids vaccinated against the flu uh, this year as well. There's another disease going around called RSV. Is it a concern and can you tell us a bit about it? So RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus or RSV. Uh, it's a common, common uh, respiratory virus. Prior to COVID-19, uh, it was on our radar because in particular, it can make young children very, very sick, um, especially those under the age of one uh, and, and newborns. And it could also cause outbreaks in long-term care homes. So uh, sometimes at the, uh, the opposite age spectrum uh, and individuals whose immune systems were not as strong. So it's not a new virus. 
it is um, it's known. What had happened throughout the COVID-19 pandemic is because we had all these uh, other measures that were stopping the spread of respiratory viruses, we didn't see RSV. So there was one or two winters where we were not seeing the same number of kids admitted to hospital with RSV infection because there were people wearing masks or uh, they weren't going out into public spaces. So when we stopped all of these other measures, we saw a resurgence in RSV. And that is what really in particular last fall caused uh, the pressure on children's hospitals is because so many kids were getting quite sick with RSV. Should people be getting a vaccine for RSV at this time? So uh, there is a new vaccine for RSV. So historically, there has there has been um, some antibody shots available for infants that are at highest risk of RSV infection. So children, uh, babies born premature uh, with other uh, medical problems, they could receive special shots to help protect them against RSV. But there was not a vaccine for anybody else in the population. In August of this year, Health Canada approved an RSV vaccine for adults age 60 and over. In Ontario, the province is funding publicly RSV vaccine for people age 60 and over that live in long-term care homes, elder care lodges, and some retirement homes. So because those individuals are at higher risk for outbreaks of RSV and, uh, and really wanting to prevent a significant illness in these settings, the province is actually the first, that we're, Ontario is the first jurisdiction that is publicly funding this RSV vaccine for adults. If I'm just an everyday adult, I'm not in a long-term care home, should I be getting an RSV vaccine or not? So excellent question. The vaccine, uh, the RSV vaccine is uh, available through some pharmacies. So if you are age 16 over and wanting the RSV vaccine, you could ask your primary care provider for a prescription for it uh, and take it to the pharmacy to get it. The vast majority of adults, if they get RSV, will have really a bad cold, uh, maybe develop bronchitis, uh, but would not be getting uh, seriously ill. There might be some individuals that have, um, maybe they care for family members that are at high risk of getting severely sick, or, or may have other medical conditions that put them at high risk of um, becoming very ill with an RSV infection, uh, but uh, it's only being publicly funded at this time uh, for those um, in certain settings. Would there be a cost associated with this if, if uh, it wasn't being covered publicly? Uh, yes. Yeah. So if you need to, if you don't reside in long-term care home, elder care lodge, or, or certain retirement homes, uh, you go to your doctor, you ask for a prescription, you take it to the pharmacy. Uh, the charge, and you'll have to, I don't actually know what the charge is locally currently, but uh, as I understand it, it's fairly expensive, a couple of hundred dollars. So there is a cost as it's not publicly funded for the general public. One of the great challenges throughout the pandemic and since then has been communicating 
what's going on with COVID. How receptive do you think people in Northumberland are to the messages from the health unit and other health groups on the topic of COVID? We certainly know that um, leading with a message of just wear a mask, <laughs> stay home, uh, people are a bit tired of hearing that. And that makes sense. You know, the same message over and over again can, can lead to frustration. I think when we refocus people on what's, what are the health, what are the challenges that we're trying to prevent, right? So this point in time, we are all collectively working uh, to try and prevent people being admitted to hospital with respiratory illness. We're all collectively trying to decrease the burden uh, on our emergency departments who continue to be very busy with uh, people admitted to hospital, but there's not beds uh, and long waits in emergency departments. So really anything that we can continue to do as individuals or as families, as a community to improve that and decrease the spread of respiratory illness is what we wanna be doing. And then those key messages continue to be, if you want to do that, Stay up to date with your with your immunizations. Stay home if you're sick. Uh, cover your cough up. Wash your hands. <laughs> All of these measures that we practiced so much throughout the pandemic uh, will continue to, to keep each other uh, healthy. Have you at all changed your strategies around communicating, though? Have, have you as an organization taking different approaches, um, getting the word out there? using different channels or different methods in light of people's reactions to the messages that are being sent out? I think there's some, um, some strategies that uh, we, we might rely on more heavily. So we certainly will work with partners um, and other healthcare providers. So we know if it's just public health saying something, it might not be as effective. Whereas if we're working collaboratively across the health sector, that that's more, people pay more attention to that. We know that social media, um, we anticipate kind of anytime we post something related to either vaccination or masking that it often we see a reaction both positive and negative as well. And so we, we know to expect that and can help point people to uh, the data and the evidence that supports what we're saying. Uh, but I think in general, uh, when folks are, are not receptive or interested in hearing about it, and if it's not urgent, we don't necessarily hammer on the same messages unless we really, really need to and we need people to pay attention, then we'll be really putting um, the word out and wanting people to be aware. What messages do you want to leave with residents in Northumberland? I mean, first off, I'd like to thank uh, everyone in Northumberland for continuing to be aware of what's happening uh, and to do your part in, in protecting our communities most vulnerable from respiratory illnesses. And that includes now COVID-19, influenza, RSV, and other respiratory viruses. I think after that, the key messages are stay up to date with your immunizations, stay home if you're sick, uh, and then cover your cough, wash your hands. Uh, and, you know, if you're most at risk of a severe illness from COVID-19, masks are still important and play a role. Uh, so ensure that we're, we're mask friendly, we're able to um, make people feel comfortable when they're out and about. 
Dr. Bocking, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks very much for, uh, for continuing this conversation. That was Dr. Natalie Bocking, Chief Medical Officer of Health for Halliburton-Kawartha Pine Ridge District Health Unit. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.